Welcome to the Pata Cap U podcast, hosted in collaboration with Capilano Radio Club and the School of Tourism Management. We explore hot topics and trends in tourism with professionals from around the world. Hello, I'm Jennifer, the vice chairperson of our Pata student chapter. I'm Karma, the creative director. Thank you for tuning in. Today, we'll be contending with a topic that has become emotionally charged for a lot of people. Our guest, Nicholas Dupercard, is working to create international standards for elephant camps in Southeast Asia, where activities like elephant riding, bathing, and taking selfies have been making headlines. His goal is to provide education to people about the use of elephants in tourism. Nicholas is the Director of Audit Diagnostic Solutions Tourism, where he teaches sustainability, audits hotels for Green Globe, and provides consultancy. His career has spanned the globe, from training tourism professionals to serving as coordinator for Green Key Eco Certification as a project director for Wild Asia. Hi, Nicholas. So your background in animal welfare started about three years ago and has branched into advocacy for elephants in tourism. Can you please tell us how this came about? Hello. Yes, um, it was a kind of, uh, I didn't go, I, I was not uh, searching elephant. I think the, the elephant searched me and they, they found me at some point because mm-hmm. I was in the middle of a different organization that were looking for a solution regarding big uh, international concern from uh, the public opinion about animal welfare and especially elephant welfare in, in Asia in, and especially in Thailand. Uh, mm-hmm. So there were more and more complaints from uh, the guests, from the tourists, that uh, elephants were not well treated. And there was a concern from the industry and the tour operators trying to find a solution to be sure that they will promote and send the tourists to the right uh, excursions or to the right attractions to be sure that elephant in these places and the person in charge of the elephant, the mahout also, uh, elephant keeper would also be well treated. So we have been discussing with different bodies, with different organizations, and uh, then we were three different organizations together, and we decided in 2015, so three years ago already, to um, to start a new system, uh, standards, to create criteria uh, for the elephant camps in Southeast Asia. That's how it started at the beginning. That's very interesting. So it came about sort of as a reaction to what was happening. Uh, in the media and in the industry? Yeah, it was uh, it was a response to what was happening. And we had already some concern that what was happening was really related to emotions. People were really behaving on emotions. And mm-hmm. at that point, there was also um, the idea to boycott or to ban all activity uh, involving elephants which we knew already would have really disastrous consequences mm. for these animals. So yeah. uh, it was not, the solution was not to close the eyes and say, okay, we don't sell it anymore. We, we, we needed to find uh, solutions. For sure. So like on that subject, so you're a big proponent of elephant tourism. And uh, we heard a lot about the negative side of it. What are some of the positive uh, aspects of elephant tourism, so the positive economic, social, and environmental impacts that you've seen from elephant tourism. 
for that you need to come back a bit in in, in history that's uh, just to, to to understand what's why we have these elephants in captivity and you have to to, to know a little bit more about them uh, first of all you need to know that these animals are living very long time like up to 70 80 years old so mm -hmm. it's not like a dog it's not like a cat it's really a long living animal Second, they have been used in uh, different industries uh, before tourism. They used to be uh, especially working in the logging industry, so to carry uh, trees from the forests, mm -hmm. or mining industry, or even in, in the field sometimes. Mm -hmm. So at some point, the logging was forbidden in the 90s, beginning of the 90s in mm -hmm. Thailand and in other countries. And these animals had no more job. They had no more activity. And that's when they started to be used in the tourism industry as uh, an alternative to, to find a way to, to feed them, to take care of them and uh, to continue to, to keep them alive. That's very interesting because I, I didn't know about that. I think a lot of people in the West particularly don't know that there is actually a history of, of using elephants in industry and that uh, it's not just something that came about as a result of tourism. Yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> So, uh, absolutely. Um, yeah. uh, just to continue on this, in, in this direction, in Asia, in Southeast Asia, there have been like very strong relationship between human and elephant for more than 3,000 years. So it means that they have been, as we call, domesticated at some point. Some of them have been domesticated to be uh, to be used in, in this industry, and also they, they were going to to the war. So they were weapons. Also, uh, mm -hmm. they were used to to fight. So. It's not elephant in tourism didn't start 20 years ago. Yeah. Elephant relationship with human is a long is a long story, mm -hmm. and we have to be careful when we come with our faults, our belief. We have to be careful because uh, this is a very very complex topic, mm -hmm. and this is related to history from other countries, like the mm -hmm. relation that we may have in Europe with uh, with horses yeah. or with other animals that we have used. Uh, donkeys that we are used to work and and that's a little bit the same story we, mm -hmm. we 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 need to keep it in mind all the time yeah it's a complex relationship between people and animals so coming to the present day coming to uh the topic of tourism so lately on social media as you know there's been a lot of videos and articles circulating about elephant camps where visitors can ride elephants bathe them feed them and so forth and they've generated a huge amount of controversy. Uh, so animal defense organizations have generated quite a bit of concern among the public that these camps are allegedly inhumane to elephants and they're encouraging tourists to boycott them. So you believe that the public needs to hold off on the knee-jerk emotional reactions to some of these videos or articles and examine what's going on more closely. So what's your perspective on this? What do you see as some of the negative effects that come from boycotting this form of tourism? Well, definitely boycotting is not a solution because then you will just cut uh, any income coming to uh, to the elephant, elephant keepers, mahout and, and, mm -hmm. and camps. So you you need to feed an elephant almost 10% of his weight every, every day. Mm -hmm. So if there are three tons or four tons, it's been 300 kilograms of food every day, mm -hmm. uh, which is mostly, uh, okay, herbs and, and leaves, but still you, you need to find this food. So it's quite expensive. Yeah. And also I wanted to make a big difference, a huge difference between wild elephant and elephant that are domesticated or that are 
captive or working in captive uh, condition because mm -hmm. also this is two different families that are sometimes mixed up and people we don't understand it and right now it's like two different kind of uh, animal uh, wild animal this is another story i really not involved in this i'm not working on on this part i'm really focusing on the elephant that are already working in camps that's really my job i'm, I'm working on this mm -hmm. so for me the, the interest of tourism is to to provide incomes and it's also to provide better working condition than the condition they used to have when they were in the logging industry because you need to keep in mind they were working like 10 hours a day in the logging industry to carry trees in very hard conditions mm -hmm. and uh, this was really 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 hard compared to what they are doing today which is much easier mm -hmm. and when we are speaking about riding because it has been like a, a huge focus from uh, some organization. Riding is not a big problem for the elephant. It's not riding itself that is com that is a problem. It's how it is done. It's the condition it is done. It's mm -hmm. like you cannot reject and say, oh, riding is always bad made or it's always a, a danger. Or it's always hurting them. It's wrong. Sometimes it can be, and I cannot deny that. And again, there are some real problems. There are some real some some camps where uh, absolutely the the elephants are not well treated, but that's not the majority of them. It's mm -hmm. just, it's few of them. And our goal is just to, I like the fact that there are a lot of places, a lot of camps where they, 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 they treat the elephant very well and when, where they, they, they keep the elephant and they, they want the elephant to feel good. So that's the places that we want to, to promote and explain to the tourists that uh, whatever it is riding or not riding, that's the problem is not here. Yeah. Okay. So, like so you were mentioning the the different types of practices, like the uh, that people have a problem with, but there are also practices that these same kind of organizations promote as a humane practices that maybe are not ideal. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, at some point, it it came like in the five in the last five five years where riding was in the media it was seen that riding was not uh, good for the elephant that they were suffering from riding so as an alternative the camps decided to propose buffing for example activity and saying buffing is going to be a, a good alternative and there is a direct contact between the human and the elephant during the buffing activity but again if you have 20 people of 75 people around one elephant uh, in a mud pit uh, and the elephant has to go there many times a day. I don't believe that it's better for, for the elephant's uh, mm -hmm. wellness uh, than to ride two people on his back during half an hour in, in good condition. So mm -hmm. it's, again, it's very, we should not judge like per activity. We cannot judge an activity. Any activity can be well or, or really badly done. It's a, uh, Mm -hmm. It's like I mean, any service that we have uh, in, in front of us. You can go to a restaurant and the food will be awful. That's the same. You will not boycott every restaurant because one restaurant mm -hmm. has awful food. It's, mm -hmm. uh, that's why we have really to be careful about. And the problem is that when our uh, decisions are based on emotions, we don't use our brain anymore. If mm -hmm. you use your brain five seconds, you will analyze a little bit better the situation. And then you will not take the same decisions because uh, emotions are flowing over our, our conscience and our, our brain. And that's what I would like really people to understand. Be very careful, not only with elephant, but 
be very careful not to le let your emotions drive you in in some decisions or in some uh, in some places that restaurant example is actually a really good way of thinking about it because it does kind of take the emotional side of uh, how people feel about it right out of the situation uh, because it, it, it's true people wouldn't just completely stop going to restaurants just because one person went to uh, a single place and it wasn't a great experience or something bad happened uh, yeah. so oh, go ahead yeah, yeah absolutely uh, and but when it comes to animal and especially elephant, we are we are so much uh, emotionally impacted because we see these animals. We we have seen so horrible videos that when when you when you watch this video, you you mm -hmm. you, you you just become angry. You just mm -hmm. uh, it's it's normal. It's human. We we mm -hmm. react like this, but we need to dig deeper, and that's what I've done. That's what I'm still doing. I'm still learning every day. It's it's a long journey to understand exactly how it's working, but. Uh, I will never sign a petition on Facebook uh, just because I've seen a video uh, during three minutes and then I think I, I know the solution or I think I know what's happening. You have especially young people, you have to be very careful with that because it has consequences that are bigger than what you think. So on that point, where does the knowledge come from for how to care for these animals and how do, how do we know how these uh, operations are supposed to take care of the elephants? Do they know from experience? Is it something that's from cultural traditions or where, where does it come from? So the complicated thing is it has been given by, by, by father to son during generation and generation. And there used to be a time where it was, uh, it was very, it was, people wanted to become a, a mouth, wanted to become a, an elephant keeper because they, it was very famous to be to, to be able to drive an elephant. But now it, it does change quite a bit, and it's not the same situation. So there is no much transmission there used to be. But again, there are places where uh, mouth are trained. We have organized uh, recently, and we participated to to. Uh, a training also in in Laos two weeks ago uh, about um, how to how to train an elephant. So there are uh, options and there are a lot of things happening. What I wanted to say, just come back to the previous question, is also when you hear about this elephant topic, there is always one voice talking, and this voice is always Western, European, or I mean it's Western orientated voices. We never hear the voices from the people who care about this elephant here in Asia, in Southeast Asia. Mm -hmm. Don't you think it's a bit strange that they never speak or it's not a bit strange that we never have any feedback from them? Yeah, absolutely, because they are the primary stakeholders in the entire industry, but uh, their, their kind of perspectives aren't usually aired at all or discussed at all. They're sometimes a little overlooked, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and th these people, maybe they don't speak good English because maybe they are shy, maybe they are not used to, to, to speak publicly. So it gives like a completely um, open field to uh, people complaining. And I think that has been the problem and that's, that's why we try to a little bit provide right now. It's another position. And you can believe what you want to believe about elephant riding, about all, all these aspects. But I just want to propose to the public opinion another approach, another way of seeing things, another comments. And this is coming from discussion with veterinarians, with scientists, with 
mouth working there. It's not my heart speaking. It's not my emotion speaking. Mm -hmm. It's really factual. That's what we try to find, facts. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So again, uh, going back to what you were saying about the the need for education on caring for these elephants. So it's a big challenge that elephant tourism is facing right now is that there aren't enough people in these camps that are educated in how to care for elephants and there's not enough people available to train the next generation on how to care for them. So is there anything that you think that could be done about this or what would be your recommendations? You mean to to train the people in charge of the elephants? Yeah, to just uh, deal country? with this this threat, this challenge to the industry represented by that that lack of knowledge. Are there any uh, initiatives or any way that any ideas that you might have on uh, how we might address yes. this issue or how you might address this issue? I think we should use the money that is uh, collected from the people who care about elephants. We should use this money to organize the academy and training so that. Uh, Regularly, they are training about ways to behave with the elephant, to uh, train them uh, from their young age, and uh, to uh, to have a better approach of this. Because training has been also, uh, uh, we have seen a lot of horrible stuff in the media and, and videos mm -hmm. about powerful trainings, mm -hmm. but it's possible to train uh, an elephant a human way. So should not stick to these horrible images and we should move on to nice ones. But it doesn't make so much buzz on, on the internet to see uh, an elephant that is uh, friendly treated and friendly trained, you know. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, no. Outrage unfortunately. is always uh, more popular yeah. on the internet. That's, oh, yes. <laughs> that, yeah, that's a problem. So um, still we collect a lot of uh, information right now. We collect a lot of video just to show at some point how it works. And you can train an elephant without beating him, just uh, showing him some uh, gesture, what he needs to do, and especially to, to be able to treat him in case uh, he has a problem with his feet or with uh, his uh, eyes or ears or any part of his body that must be reachable by uh, the people around the elephant to take care of him. So. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's always possible. And, and the, the action number one will be really training. We, we need to, to train these people. We need to provide the education to them. And that's, that, will make, that will make a huge difference in the future. Mm -hmm. That would be very important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so I do have to ask, let's say that I'm a tourist and I want to go ride an elephant while I'm on vacation in uh, Thailand or somewhere in Southeast Asia. But I have concerns about how these animals are being treated. And you're saying that while there are bad camps where animals are being mistreated, there are also camps that do take care of the elephants really well and they contribute to sustainable economic development for the community. Uh, do you think you can elaborate with some examples and talk about how people can identify which camps are good or bad? It's quite complicated because yeah, you need to go a little bit behind uh, the surface. So you need to go, uh, you need to check the, some places that you will not see as uh, tourists. So it means that mm -hmm. it's like the, the front office of the hotel. You don't know what is in, in the back office of the hotel. That's a bit what we what we are doing with our standards uh, because we have uh, 177 criteria right now, I think. And we check these these places. Where do they sleep? In what condition do they sleep? What kind of cure do they have? What uh, veterinarian uh, do they have? How many hours they work per day? And all this stuff you can only check if you spend a lot of time, if you discuss with the management, if you discuss with the mouth. 
in if you really gain their trust so that they open all the doors that you want to, to be open. So it means that as a client, as a tourist, it's, it may be complicated to be able to, um, mm -hmm. to judge just from uh, one hour or two hours experience mm -hmm. uh, that it is done positively or negatively. I mean, yeah. both, uh, you, you, may be, you may think, oh, obviously, if you see that there is somebody beating an elephant, it's, it's, it's wrong. And mm -hmm. it's, it, should, it should not happen. This is very wrong. But we have made a lot of mistreatment in Europe related to, to horses also. You know that we, we have a lot of complaints in Europe uh, regarding horses that are mm -hmm. very, very badly treated. And so it's a, it's a bit the same story. Uh, we, we have to be, it, it's difficult to judge by yourself. So that's why we wanted to come up with these standards yeah. that are controlled by external independent auditors uh, not related to uh, tour operators or to camp industry. We want to make it really external, and um, we are we are not dependent on uh, the countries, the state, the ministries. We are completely, completely independent. So that's uh, that's our strength. Interesting. Yeah. So speaking of that, uh, your organization is actually preparing to release international standards on elephant camps at an upcoming conference. Are you able to give us some highlights that we can anticipate from this or some recommendations? Uh, we, 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 for two years already, we are in a pilot phase. So we are assessing already some camps in, uh, in Thailand, in Laos and in Bali. And we, we are going to, ex to expand to, uh, to Burma and uh, Myanmar most, most probably. So the goal is already to, to test uh, what we are doing and to uh, collect feedback from the professional in different countries. And from that perspective, we want to build a strong set of criteria. Mm -hmm. And these criteria are related to the elephant, but also the person in charge of the elephant and the, the camp, the overall camp and the situation. We will provide, thanks to this uh, system, it will provide a clear vision and solution for the tourists and the different operators about the situation in the camp. Mm -hmm. And it will be much easier for anyone that is really willing to take part to uh, an elephant activity to decide where to go. Because mm -hmm. as soon as they will have our certification, it will mean that they've managed to pass this criteria and that uh, the, the situation is good uh, regarding the elephant. Yeah, and, and we are not, uh, again, as I told you from the beginning, we are not saying that riding is bad. It can be bad, it can be good, it depends how it's done. So our approach is very pragmatic and, as I told before, as much as possible based on facts and scientific proven facts, not just videos circulating that we don't know where they come from or emotional approach. We, we are really trying to make it much more serious and controlled. It sounds like there's a lot of opportunities for people to learn. And uh, so for the students and young people who are tuning in and want to get involved with conservation in tourism, how would you recommend that they start out? Uh, do you know if there's any areas that they should watch out for or um, how people can get involved with the work that you're doing and how can uh, these students or young people get involved with what you're currently doing and connect with you? Uh, my first advice would be uh, be careful because <laughs> there are many opportunities to, to, to volunteer in camps, elephant mm -hmm. camps. And sometimes I don't think it's done the right way. So it means mm -hmm. 
if you have 50 volunteers in a camp, it means that there is a problem. It means mm -hmm. that there, there is some labor force that was replaced by volunteers. Right. And I know that if I, I mean, I would love so much if I was like 20 or 25 years old, I would love to participate mm -hmm. and be in a camp as a volunteer because I think it's really a place you can learn a lot. But when you decide about it, you have to really, really, really pick up carefully the camp where you are going. Mm -hmm. And you should realize that if they really want you to come, you may not have to pay a huge amount of money to be a volunteer because it's a bit strange that you work for free and you pay for working. So I would say this volunteering, very good, but be careful where you go. It mm -hmm. should be a place with maximum three, four, five volunteers max Four, four, I think it's maximum, so that you you understand what, what your missions are and uh, why you are there. So this is first point. Second point, uh, when you travel to the to, to uh, an attraction with elephants, when you, you you have you have to be to keep in mind that um, what is the size of it, how many elephants are going to be there, uh, what are they really doing doing during the day, is it too much or not too much repetitive. Mm -hmm. And and then you will see at some point what is the relationship between the elephant and, and the mouth in charge of him. And then you you will also feel it. Is it is there a need to force the elephant to do something or not? And you will you will just feel it. And, mm -hmm. and then it's more to again to to judge not only with your heart and emotions but also to to open your eyes and, and try to understand what's happening. Mm -hmm. Even if it's obviously very difficult. So uh, we're just running low on time and batteries. Sorry about that. <laughs> we just made, yeah, no became made aware that our recording battery is low. So Karma's just going to ask you one final question. Yes, um, it's a very important question. And uh, actually, first I should ask you, how many countries have you, uh, have you been to so far? For the elephant projects? Uh, no, you just, mean, just, in, just general. in general. Myself? Wow. I have worked in already 30, I think 32 countries. Okay, well, uh, my question is, out of all of the countries you've visited, which one has the best sense of style? Uh, best sense of style? What does it mean exactly? What do you mean by that? Uh, it could be uh, fashion, it could be architecture, it could be just, just style the of living. Yeah. <laughs> I would say, really, I mean, um, Morocco is something that is really, really very, very, very strong. Morocco, for me, is... Um, it's a country where you have so much handicrafts, you have so much different land landscapes, and people are very, very, very nice. And uh, I was there recently. I really loved it again. Food is amazing. Mm -hmm. It's uh, I've traveled a lot, but yeah, Morocco for me is maybe number one. Yeah, I would uh, I would recommend it very much. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, thank Excellent. you for that. So we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, I think we have learned a lot today, a lot of really interesting things, and I hope that our viewers have come away with uh, an interest in learning more about this topic and more about elephants in tourism. And um, if I could ask how people can reach you and find out more about your project. Um, the project is really going to be out, as you said, as you mentioned before, it's going to be out next year. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we will we will have some communication coming out around March, April uh, 2019. So from that time, they should really keep uh, open eyes and watch out because there will be uh, this solution for the people who want to, to travel and, and work, uh, work, I mean. 
uh, enjoy some time with the elephant because this animal is really uh, is amazing. Also, it's, we, we should keep in mind that it's a complete unique opportunity to get closer to this massive animal and it's, it's really, really nice. It's, uh, it's a very good feeling. But it has to be done in good condition. That, that, uh, that's the only way. And for that, we have also to be ready to pay for this. And it means uh, to understand that financially it's important to support the camps and the elephants. And there are many places where you can really experience a one day with an elephant and, and to see from the morning to the evening how they are living, uh, what they are eating, what mm -hmm. is their daily routine. And this is uh, also a very, very uh, nice way to, to discover this animal. So, so right now, no, not, not really possible to reach us, but soon, like 2019, yes, it's going to be possible to, to find us out. All right. We'll make sure to update our website, uh, patacapu.com, with all of the details once this is published. Great. And thank you so much for joining us today and answering our questions. Thank and you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Jen. Thank you, Kama. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, how did you like that? Please send us your feedback on this episode by visiting patacapu.com. This podcast is hosted by Capilano University student volunteers. If you would like to get involved with the production of our podcast, please send us an email through our website, patacapu.com. Special thanks to Capilano Radio Club and the School of Tourism Management. See you next time. Have something to say about what you heard on Capilano Radio? Want to get involved with the Capilano Radio team? Are you an artist looking for a platform to showcase your work? Drop us a line at capilanoradio at gmail.com or visit our website at capilanoradio.com. Hi, I'm Kayla Ramiro. And I'm Angus Tang. You can check out our podcast, Always Wrong, streaming 24-7 on capilanoradio.com. On iTunes. And on Google Play.